Hello everyone, and we are so happy to be here with you tonight and to have you out there listening. And we're hoping uh, to have a really good uh, transmission for this uh, teaching tonight. It is such an important teaching. We want to thank uh, my wife, Janet Lee, for her precious realism as she plays on the organ. She always does it by the Spirit, and that's what makes it feel and sound differently. I thank God for all that is moving forward. I thank God uh, for Brian Parks and all the effort that he has put into uh, getting all of the technical aspects of this broadcast together. And uh, thank God for uh, Zach Phillips and all his help. Uh, all the people that have been involved, uh, God bless you and keep his hand upon you. And uh, may your ears be open tonight, people, for this broadcast uh, tonight. Uh, as announced, uh, the Church of the Firstborn, not on earth. The Church of the Firstborn, not on earth. I'm going to start uh, in the book of uh, Luke, and uh, what might seem to be an almost um, unrelated uh, um, scriptural area as to the title of our message. But uh, before we're all over said and done, you will be able to see the relativeness, the tie-in, and the connection. Start with me toward the end of the book of, uh, of um, Luke, uh, Luke 24. Luke 24. You will hear some pages rattling tonight on the Bible because I have a lot of scriptures to cover, and it is going to be provocative, and it is going to be interesting, and uh, you are going to be uh, lifted up. Now, let's um, sort of go back in uh, time here. Uh, Jesus is um, walking with these, um, uh, these two uh, followers uh, of the Lord. They're believers. And um, uh, they were um, walking uh, toward the, uh, uh, you know, uh, a village called um, uh, Emmaus. And, uh, which was about, uh, three score furlongs, uh, furlongs from, uh, Jerusalem. And they were talking about various things, and eventually Jesus drew near to them and joined them. And, uh, that is in the 24th chapter, uh, beginning with verse 13. Then we're going to skip on down. And, uh, uh, they were talking about different things and just wondering how, you know, uh, how the reality of all could be. And in verse uh, 25, uh, Jesus said unto them, He said, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, it is a very sad thing to have a slow heart. And, and if you have a slow heart, uh, because these things are difficult for you to understand or difficult for you to even believe. Uh, it, it is a serious thing, and you want to pray that God will ac accelerate you uh, and He will get you out of that slow heart uh, because it is it's an impetition to you. Now, um, in verse 31, after He had shared these things with them and they began to feel that, this was someone that they knew and even began to recognize that it could be Jesus. 
Verse 31, it says, And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Uh, that is very interesting, how that he's there in a physical body, walking with them, talking with them, expressing scriptures, uh, interpreting with them and to them. And then uh, there is an anointing from that word put upon their eyes, and their vision is opened, and all of a sudden, uh, who they did not recognize as being the Lord, the Christ, uh, who they did not give uh, the exaltation to, suddenly, suddenly they recognize this as being uh, the very Jesus, the very Jesus Christ, uh, who uh, no doubt was resurrected. And as soon as they knew him and saw him and would have liked to have said more to him, he vanished. Uh, that has to be a special gift, a special empowerment uh, to enter into dematerialization. We know that Jesus did this when he was ministering to crowds and when some of the crowds turned hostile. When they turned hostile, he was able to disappear, to sort of just pass through them without them knowing where he went to or where he was. He just sort of vanished and passed through them in a dematerialized state. Uh, there is much to be said about that, and it is definitely a gift that angels use and that people that are very advanced uh, in the spirit of the things of God. Now, then we get to uh, verse 36, and uh, uh, Jesus uh, uh, suddenly appears in the midst of them. He, they didn't see him. They didn't know he was there. They couldn't have any feeling or knowledge of him being there, but suddenly he just appeared. He just materialized. And they were terrified. Uh, they, they were terrified because uh, they felt that um, they had seen a, a ghost, a spirit. And um, so uh, uh, now uh, that's pretty interesting uh, how that people think that uh, because either he vanished the way he did or because he suddenly appeared from out of nowhere, that he must be a ghost. Because it just goes to show how people put things together in their thinking as to what uh, constitutes uh, a spirit being a spirit or a ghost being a ghost. And they, based on those kind of ideas, thought this has to be uh, a spirit because what else can just suddenly appear out of, out of nowhere or, or vanish out of nowhere? And then Jesus said unto them, uh, you know, as he saw that they were terrified and affrighted, as the Bible says, and, and had made their supposition, he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, uh, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. And what Jesus is saying, if you're just a spirit, then uh, you will not, uh, uh, you know, you will not have flesh and bones. It does not mean that a person with flesh and bones does not have a spirit within. It just simply means that uh, if it's only a spirit, then you know there there will be no flesh and bones there to feel or to see. So there's this uh, this flesh and, and blood and these and these these he's the real thing. He says he says I'm here. Feel me and and. Uh, <clears throat> so verse 41, And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, 
have you any meat? Now, that's so interesting because he's uh, uh, he's showing them his his uh, mortalness in a sense, uh, at least for their sake, uh, you know, uh, because uh, you know they just they just they thought it was just too good to be true that to be true that that Christ could be back and in the flesh after he had been crucified and put into a, a cave to rot. And uh, he says, well, okay, let's take this a little further. Have you any meat? And then they, uh, they gave him a piece of, of, of broiled uh, fish and honeycomb. And he took it and did eat it before them. And you could imagine, they weren't, they weren't hungry for that, that fish and that honeycomb. They were just so absolutely enamored with this experience of Jesus eating and, and having the honeycomb that, that it was just an incredible experience to them. And he, he did that as a demonstration, uh, you know, to show them that, that I, I, I swallow, I, I eat, I use my teeth, uh, I can chew meat, uh, I, I can enjoy it, uh, I'm, 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 I'm human. Uh, and he said to them, these are the words which I spake to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. Uh, okay, now we want to skip over... Um, he has continued talking with them. And in verse 49, he says, uh, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tear you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And, of course, he's talking about the Pentecost experience uh, of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, get on to this, because this does begin to tie into our teaching we're going to do tonight. Verse 50. And he led them out as far as to Bethany. Now, Bethany, of course, means house of God. House of God. So, so uh, that's another word that people use for church. Let's go to the house of God, and they mean the church. So, house of God, church. He led them out to Bethany, this name that incorporates house of God, church. And... Um, uh, he, um, uh, you know, said they lift that up, had them lift up their hands, and uh, and uh, you know he he blessed them. So uh, I think that that is uh, extremely interesting uh, that he's accentuating this whole thing uh, that has to do um, about the um, you know the the house of God or the church, the church of God, uh, as in our title. You know, the church of the firstborn. Uh, he's not saying that this Bethany is that, but he's showing the metaphor. There's a metaphor there. And so he uh, lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, after he brought them to that place of the house of God, of Bethany, he was parted from them. Now get a load of, the, of this wording. He part, was parted from them and carried, carried up into heaven. Now, was he, were the angels carrying him up in their arms? Of course not. He was parted from them just like when he appeared suddenly uh, and they thought he was a, a spirit. And the other time on the road, road uh, where he, um, uh, you know, uh, just uh, uh, suddenly vanished, um, uh, he parted in that, that like manner, 
but the scripture is very evident. He he uh, that that he when he was parted from them, he was carried. Now does that sound like he's flying in the air, uh, just like with his uh, spiritual wings? Or uh, no, it doesn't. It sounds like when you are sitting down or when you are in a horizontal position, uh, you're, you're being carried. Something that is holding you, something that is around you, uh, is, is propping you uh, and, and is carrying you. And it's going to carry him all of the way into heaven. He's leaving the earth. And they worship him and return to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continuously in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now, don't lose your place because we're going right into the book of the Gospel of St. John. So, hang in there. Okay, I want to ask you a question. How many of you people listening here tonight feel that uh, you know God? You know who He is. You have an understanding about God. You you have knowledge about God. You you know you have the knowledge of who God is. <clears throat> you can really explain it, or you really could, uh, you know, get into the details of it. You know, uh, and well, I'm sure that big biggest majority of you, maybe all of you, would say, Noel, you know, I can't say that that's me. You know, I there's things I do know about God, but I can't say that I explicitly know about God. Uh, <clears throat> Well, in chapter 1, verse 1, in St. John, Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, with a capital, and the Word, with a capital W, was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning. So, when we're talking about the Word of God, uh, it it has an, uh, an equal lattice to God. So, when you say, you know, I don't... I don't, I don't think that I can, you know, say that I really have this total knowledge about God. You are also saying, I don't have this total knowledge about the Word. And Paul understood that. And that's why he wrote one time and he said, well, we know in part and we prophesy in part. But one day when that, uh, which is just a part of, of, of the prophecy and a part of the revelation and a part of the Word... Uh, has been overcome, and we go beyond that, then we will come into the fullness of the understanding. And uh, so that's very important. So now, um, it says here in verse 3, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light. The light, L-I-G-H-T of men. Verse 5, And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, we have, in the beginning of this great, incredible gospel, the fact that even when Jesus was ministering, and when he was ministering the light, the truth, by the Holy Spirit, that um, uh, it was his shining holiness, his shining word, his shining revelation, his shining Holy Spirit anointing, that was shining into their darkness and into the darkness of the world. But that darkness was not of a nature of being advanced and being spiritual enough, uh, having not yet been endued with the power uh, from on high of the Holy Spirit as it needed to be. And uh, so 
the the story here is that when people cannot comprehend the word or when it's difficult, it's because they are that far uh, backwards from being endowed and endued with the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that really interprets these things. And you can get into all the translations in the world you want, and they have their place, and they have their, their point. Uh, and you can get into all the theological, uh, you know, argument over it, and, and it has its time and its place and its point, I'm sure. But when you really want to know the Word of God, uh, whether you're in the Hebrew or, 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 or Aramaic, or whether you're in the Greek, uh, those people back then that received it in, in those things in their original language, they had the same problem of not being able to understand what the, the, the uh, depth of the word meant that was uh, being revealed in their language. Uh, just because it was in Arabic or it was in Greek or it was in Hebrew, that didn't mean it was automatically something they understood. And there are dozens of examples of that all the way through the New Testament. So, so uh, there's the light shining, but the darkness comprehending it not. As we get into this message uh, of, of the church of the firstborn, uh, you know, there's going to be some deep stuff. And, and uh, it, it, you know, it's the Word of God. And what you need to understand it, uh, to accelerate your heart so you're not operating out of a slow heart, you need the Holy Spirit to anoint you and to open your eyes so that you can see Jesus. Open your eyes so that you can see, you know, the Word made flesh. And that, that is the beauty of the truth. Uh, chapter 1. Uh, of of uh, Saint John, uh, now we will come down to um, to verse nine, and it's, and and th that was the true light, which lighteth every man that comes in the world. There is no human being that that needs to say or should say, uh, I just can't understand this. Uh, I guess it was never meant. Uh, I just don't have what it takes. Uh, do not lie to yourself and allow. Uh, your, your negative side uh, to express like that. Because the scripture, as I just read to you, says that every person, every human being that comes in the world, uh, you know, that they are lit with this light. They have the kingdom of God within them. So you have the potential to know these things. You just have to get the Holy Spirit to endow you so that you can, uh, you can understand uh, in the darkness uh, and, and, and read the light. Okay? Now, um, <clears throat> verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. Now, I want you to listen carefully to this. We're getting into some heavy stuff here. Which were born not of blood. Oh, what kind of humans were these now? These, uh, these, as many as received him, persons, uh, which were the sons of God, which he gave power to become the sons of God, uh, that believed on his name, they were born, but not of blood. So you mean they were humans and uh, uh, they did not have blood in their veins? Uh, what are we really saying here? Uh, that is, um, is, is very interesting to, uh, to denote. Hold, uh, hold on a minute here. We're trying to get my speaker here closer if I can. Okay, so um, uh, anyway, um, 
I think that's that's all interesting uh, to 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 really ponder because it's a serious statement which were born not of blood, uh, nor of the will of of the flesh, nor of the will of man. So these people weren't uh, born because someone says we want to have a baby, we want to have a baby, we we want to have a a son. Uh, that's our will. That's the desire of the flesh. Uh, it says they were born some other kind of way. They, the reference to them about being born is not got to do with their human uh, birth, which is a blood birth. It's not about their human birth, which involves the will of the daughters, the mother and the father. Uh, it's, it's not about... Uh, you know, uh, anything along that line. Uh, but this particular born that is being talked about is uh, born of God. And, uh, you know, and then it goes on and it says, right after that, verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we behold His glory as, as uh, of the, of the uh, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, this is this strange thing, and and we we see it in in Luke uh, twenty four, where there is this flesh body that just suddenly appears, and they say, "Oh, this has got to be a spirit." But he said, "No." He said, "I'm I'm flesh and blood. You need to touch me. You need to to feel me. Here, let me eat eat something. I I'm I'm human, uh, you know, but there's a revelation there." That goes beyond just strictly uh, an interpretation of, of mortalness. And the Word was made flesh. Word with a capital. Now, there's a point at which this divine Word, which is given a, uh, a lattice uh, depiction equality to God, uh, as, as being um, able to be turned into flesh. It can be made flesh. The Word can be made flesh. And it can actually dwell as a personification, as a person, among other humans, uh, to where the other humans don't see really any difference. Now, was Jesus just like every other human? Uh, you know, uh, genealogy-wise, uh, they take him back, you know, to David. And in the uh, 22nd chapter of Revelations, he says, I sent my angel in the church to tell the people that I am the root and the offspring of David. But there was something different about it. Because uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, was not impregnated uh, by uh, a man, by a male. But was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. So, in a sense, is this the first recorded abduction? Uh, but a spiritual abduction and not a some kind of a freak alien abduction uh, where this person <coughs> pardon me was um, what was 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 taken uh, up by the spirit and and uh, and filled with the Holy Spirit uh, and and uh, you know was impregnated by the Holy Spirit uh it's something very interesting and far out to talk about and to think about uh because 
who normally would, would uh, consider such a thing as that? Uh, well, we're here today to consider some very interesting, strange things. And when we look at this word, it is strange indeed how it talks. It is not in regular, uh, you know, language. It is it's something very deep, deep when it says, uh, which were born not of blood. The, this birth that it's talking about was a person not born of blood. And, and it's this word, this capability of, of being able to, to turn things into flesh and, and to actually uh, have a personification to the point of being able to dwell among uh, the humans and be considered uh, to be just like they are. And so Jesus indeed was a very a strange type of person. Uh, and yet in the other side of the story, uh, Jesus took on the flesh of the humans uh, so that there would be blood in him for we know about the shedding of the blood and all those kind of stories. And, and, and it, 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 it's a, a duality of parallelisms that is just absolutely almost beyond imagination. Okay, now uh, we're going to get into um, a little further into John. And um, uh, we're going to get into uh, uh, John chapter 3. And this is going to be an important, very, very important uh, chapter. And you'll say, oh, I've heard this all my life. Well, don't, don't jump the gun and, and uh, blow the whole wad out the window until uh, you really hear the whole story here. Chapter 3. Uh, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher Come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. So he explained why he, was, why he came and why he believed that he was a rabbi. Verse 3, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again. <clears throat> if you translate that word again, it actually means from above. So it could actually read, except a man be born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then if we think back in, uh, you know, chapter 1, where, and verse 14, uh, verse 13, uh, where he says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, not of the will of flesh, not of the will of man, not born of blood, but of the will of God, but of God. Uh, we begin to see there's something really, really deep in this message that, uh, that Jesus is referring to. Now, this is important for our message because the title of our message is Church of the Firstborn. But we need to know <coughs> what firstborn means. And how that ties in for it to do any good. So that's very, very important. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, you're going to have to put up, I guess, with a little bit of this throughout our message here tonight. Because I seem to have a little bit of this problem with being choked up a little bit. Okay. Except a man be born again, he cannot 
see the kingdom of God. Now, if you if if you if you are not to a place where you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And that's just what Jesus said. And then Nicodemus, basically not understanding it, said, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. Now, what is Jesus saying when he says, except a, a man be born of water and of the Spirit? He's saying, okay, both births are important. Uh, you have to have the birth of the flesh, which is the birth uh, of uh, being born in the water sack, in water. Uh, the, and, and that is a must. And you also have to have the birth of the Spirit. And mostly people have been interested in the birth of the water sack, in, you know, the, the water birth, which represents the earthly birth. Uh, going back to Genesis where everything, be, uh, life began uh, to, have that, to move in the waters. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's a water world and, and this is, uh, human beings are mostly water. And so it's, it's, it's a special kind of birth and it is not the birth that he's really talking about. Uh, he's talking about a different kind of birth. Uh, he's, he's talking here to, uh, you know, Nicodemus um, in the third verse about uh, except a man be born from above. So he's not even at that point talking about the earthly birth. He's talking about the birth from above. And that, of course, goes along with uh, chapter 1 and verse 13, uh, and, and, uh, which, which says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So he's talking about this, that you have to be born from above. And unless you're born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So, so, so you can go out there and you can try to make animals and gorillas and chimpanzees and, and uh, all these animals, uh, you know, try to be as much like humans as possible. But that still has nothing to do with, with the revelation that Jesus was teaching about being born of God, which is to be born of the Spirit. And, and uh, we're going to elaborate on that more. Uh, because without that, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So all these animals who are born of the flesh and born of blood, they cannot see the kingdom of God. They can't see it. Nor can anybody else that is limited to just being born of the, of the flesh, born of the blood, and born of the will of the flesh. They cannot see the kingdom of God. So, <clears throat> Jesus said, but... I'm not saying to you that the physical birth, the human birth, the mortal birth, uh, is not necessary. You know, you have, to, you have to not only be born of the water, born of the physical birth, uh, but you have to also, and, you have to also be uh, born of the Spirit. And that's all connected. Now, verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And Jesus is saying, there's two kinds of birth here. There's the physical birth, and that's necessary. It's vital. You have to have that birth. If you don't have that physical birth, then you not, neither can you be able to, uh, to see the kingdom of God. 
and you have to also have uh, the birth uh, from uh, the um, uh, the spirit. Now it's very interesting in that third chapter that it, the translation of the word uh, must be born again, because to be born again, uh, uh, you know, is is very very important. Uh, because if you say be born again, it obviously means you were born before. And, and, and this, this is an essential. You must be born again. Well, it's interesting that that word literally interprets uh, from above. So, again, from above uh, is so much a deep revelation. And, and, and uh, that has to happen another time. Uh, and you're going to have to be born another time from above, or you're going to have to be restored to that state uh, of uh, how you were born of, of above. And then you, uh, in or, part of how, you, part of, uh, of doing that, is the necessity to be born of water, which is a physical birth. That's part of it. Now let's go on because this all reveals itself. You see, and that which is born of the flesh in verse six is flesh. So, he's saying, let's not get mixed up. That which is a human birth is a human birth. And that which is a, is a spiritual birth uh, is, 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 you know, a spiritual birth of, of, the, of the spirit, you know. And so, so, that which is born of the spirit is spirit, and that which is born of flesh is flesh. Don't mix them, but they are two different kinds of birth. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. You know, and someone's, someone's thinking, well, you know, what is kind of birth is that? And he says, well, the best metaphor I can give give to that is being born of the Spirit is like being born of the wind. You know, like the wind bloweth where, where, well, where it listeth, and thou heareth the sound thereof, but can't tell from whence it cometh. Now, it's very interesting that that example was given. And just at the end of the book of the 24th chapter of Luke, we read to you before Jesus ascends, you know, he says, Go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. And then when you read in Acts the uh, expression of that, that experience, it says, uh, you know, and suddenly there came a sound as a mighty rushing wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So that this example that Jesus gives as a metaphor here, you know, uh, about the Spirit is right on. Because he says, you know... Uh, don't marvel about this," he said. "It's like the wind blowing, and and, and uh, you hear the sound, you know, like the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and uh, but you don't really know too much about it, uh, you know. But it says uh, that's how it will be. But but uh, whether it goeth, uh, so it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit, and and everybody needs to have this born of the Spirit experience." Uh, is that a full reconciliation to what you once were? No, it is an opening uh, into coming into that that uh, reconciliation uh, of what uh, you once were, and it is moving in the right direction, and that is what is so beautiful. Now, take note, please take note that in this same chapter, and just a matter of a few verses uh, down. Uh, in verse 12, he says, I have told you earthly things, and you believe not. How shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? 
So he's saying, I've talked about earthly things, but, you know, you've had a hard time even believing the earthly things. But what would it be like if I tried to tell you something heavenly? Now, you know, we talked about the church of the firstborn not on earth. So, think in the terms of this, this, this heavenly. And now listen to this, verse 13. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So, this is such a power-packed verse. And it's so power-packed and so uh, almost complicated uh, that's why he could say, he could say, uh, you know, uh, I've told you earthly things and you haven't believed it. How will you believe if I tell you something heavenly? Okay, here you go. I'm going to give you a chance. You know, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So now we've got uh, some really interesting things here. We've got um, no one is going to go to this place called heaven who did not come from there. And and we've got more than one kind of heaven being represented here. Because it's just like with the word hell. When, when they use the word hell, you can look up the word and sometimes it's Hades, sometimes it's Tartaru, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it's Gahina, uh, on and on and on. You've got all these possibilities from which the word hell was taken uh, and they all have different meanings. By the same token, that's true. You have... You have different kinds of heavens, the heavens which are firmaments. You have different heavens that belong uh, to different level, kinds of atmospheres and, and in uh, different uh, uh, relationships to different planets and, and to different galaxies. Uh, you have, um, you know, the, um, the heaven which is the heaven of heavens, the heaven that's above all the heavens, which we call the first domain. And so it's very, very interesting that, that uh, uh, you know, anybody here that would say, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, I want to go to heaven. Well, the only way that would be possible for you to go to heaven, if it's the, talking about the heaven of the first domain, is if you came from there. If you didn't come from there, you are not going to be going there. Now, there is a possibility for new creations that advance into a conscious awareness of God to reach the fringe of the outside of the first domain. They're not in the first domain, but they're on the, the, on the fringe, and they cannot enter into the first domain until they have gone out on missions and advanced to where they finally overcome enough to be awarded a soul. And once they're awarded a soul, they can come into the first domain. But, but if you have come from the first domain, you have a soul. And that makes you different than any other... Uh, any other kind of life that there is to have a soul. And, and actually, uh, being firstborn is equal to having a soul. And we're talking a spirit soul now, not a body soul. And so that is so important. I repeat it. To, to have a spirit soul, and, and I'm not talking a body soul, uh, is equal to being uh, born, uh, you know, firstborn uh, from above. Okay, so <clears throat> then it goes on and says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And I explained this to you, I haven't a lot of time to go through that again, but how that they misinterpreted that whole revelation, and, and, and uh, they, they only showed that there was a snake, 
that was being lifted up on this rod and that they were comparing now in this scripture that as if Jesus is lifted up like a snake, well then, you know, that's going to allow him to do great things. And that just gives way to all kinds of, of uh, you know, um, beliefs, paganistic beliefs, uh, where people, you know, want to give a lot of power uh, to the meaning of serpent and, and, and all of that. Uh, but the real truth of it was is that there was two different kinds of, uh, in the in the 21st, 22nd chapter of, of uh, Numbers, two different kinds of, cha- of, um, of, uh, of, of serpents uh, that were represented there. And one was a seraph, which really wasn't a serpent at all, but was a, was a, um, uh, you know, a, a seraphim. And uh, so, again, Jesus saying, you know, uh, I'm going to put my foot upon the head of the serpent. And that was a prophecy given in, in Genesis, in the first uh, part of Genesis, that he would do that. And that was being the fulfillment of him being lifted up on this this uh, cross, that, that, that when he did that, he, he did it with w- like one foot upon the head of the serpent, you know, and 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 uh, uh, and doing it in the manner of the the seraphim that was being depicted on the pole that Ab- that uh, uh, was made by Moses, uh, uh, being representative of Christ, with with uh, as a seraphim putting his foot upon the head of the of the serpent. So uh, I hope you're following all that. I don't want to get off track of where where we're going to, uh, but. But all these things, you know, are just all tied in together. And they're just absolutely, absolutely awesome. Just absolutely, incredibly awesome. Okay, got to move on. Now, turn with me to Second um, Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I want to read some more stuff from there. This is uh, really important stuff, and you want to really be comprehending it, because we'll try to tie it all together, you know. Um, chapter 1 to begin with, uh, of, or pardon me, chapter 5, verse 1 to begin with. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So there, again, is this representation of a duality. There's this representation that there is both a physical house, and this is a necessary temple, and it becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Spirit. And, and if that were suddenly dissolved, uh, you uh, have another building, a house that is not made with hands, so it, it goes along with that uh, first chapter of John, you know, not made of the will of man, not made of blood, not made, not made of, of, of hands, and it's eternal in the heavens. So now we have these dualities. We have the physical, the earthly, and the, the spiritual, the heavenly. And that is so absolutely uh, beautifully important. Now look at the 17th verse of Second Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, um, um, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things 
are of God. All things are of God. Let's read through the 19th. Who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given uh, to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, this is all about the same story. This is all about these people that that. You know, no man ascends up to heaven that didn't come from heaven. And these people that have come down from heaven, and they're down here as mortals, they're being born of blood and flesh and of the will of, of humans. But they have to be born again from whom they really came, from above. That's what has to happen. And, and uh, uh, But in the meanwhile... Um, with all these applications and scriptures I've read to you, there is something that is happening. To Jesus Christ was assigned the reconciliation not only of creation, but the reconciliation that would be necessary for eternal justification and for the forgiveness of, of the sins of, of all these, these angels that, that goofed up. And there's just some very simple things that they have to do to accept that uh, and then they get that justification and that reconciliation. And that plan of reconciliation uh, was in effect, um, you know, uh, by God, um, you know, even prior to the uh, ministry of Jesus uh, Christ on earth as Jesus Christ. He's appeared in other forms, of course. Um, so, to wit, verse 19 of the of Second Corinthians five, uh, that God was in Christ reconciliating the world. The word Christ means anointed one. Uh, God was in the anointing, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, uh, that hath uh, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So. This is a thing that God has been doing since the beginning of, 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 the, of the earthly world, so to speak. And he's been involved in reconciliation uh, to the point of not, uh, uh, you know, in any way uh, um, um, allowing those trespasses uh, uh, to, to be put against uh, the people that, that uh, made them. Uh, they are not being imputed against them. And that is the incredible revelation that most of you people as Christians should already know that. But especially when you know it in the sense of, of its connection, uh, that, that is just so absolutely uh, beautiful that it is just almost beyond pronunciation. It is so absolutely beautiful. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> okay. Now we move on, um, you know, and let's um, just really, really fast, um, um, you know, uh, look at First um, Peter one twenty three, First Peter one twenty three, and uh, just a little short scripture. Uh, so, First um, um, Peter one 
23, just a minute here. Okay. Um, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And there is another uh, variation of, uh, you know, of that very, um, of that very revelation. So it's, 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 it's quite, uh, quite awesome. Okay. Now, let's, uh, let's just see where we're, where we're going from there and what we can add to this because it's, it, uh, it's going to take us on a very, a very interesting journey. Just, uh, it's just extremely, um, interesting, uh, journey that we are taking here today. So, okay. Okay. So here we go. Um, let's look at, um, uh, at the next scripture that we, we want to put into this effect. Uh, but before we, you know, get too far, uh, in this reconciliation, this is a really big thing. Um, uh, we had that scripture uh, that was, you know, in Corinthians, um, verse 21, which I did not read, of the fifth chapter. Um, For he hath made him, meaning Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, this then becomes the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Because Christ takes on the sin, and then the reconciliation is really applied to Jesus Christ as a proxy for all of us. So Jesus is taking that all in, and that's how we are able to enter into forgiveness, not through our own merits, but through Jesus Christ. Now, that's not sensational new revelation or anything, but it just all ties in to, to where, uh, you know, we are headed. And you go all the way back to the Old Testament, uh, Israel uh, was um, described as being the firstborn, Israel, you know, which includes E-L, which is, you know, the name for God, is included in the name Israel. And that you can verify uh, by going to Exodus 4.22, which I will not uh, take the time to look up right now. Now let's go to John 18, chapter 18. The Gospel of John, chapter 18. And we just got to keep rolling here because I have so much to cover. And... uh, we really have got to make this uh, happen tonight so that we can get it all in, okay? So, if you uh, we're, we're into uh, the, uh, the Gospel of John, and we're looking at uh, the 18th chapter, and uh, we are looking at verse 36 through 37. Chapter 18, verse 36 through 37. And here is, uh, here's what it says. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Now I want you to get this down, people. I've been preaching this message about that this is not the kingdom, you know, that right now, 
that is put in the hands of the Christians or put in the hands of Christ, that there's going to be that day when there will be a reconciliation of, of all planets and all worlds. Uh, and, it, and it mentions uh, such a thing in, in uh, you know, the last uh, chapter of uh, Revelations, uh, right toward the end of Revelations. So, uh, Jesus says, you know, I, I, I know you people feel that you're wanting a Messiah that is going to raise up and fight against the Romans. And, and that is going to, you know, uh, be involved in arms and so forth. And does Jesus say, now I condemn that? Uh, you know, he says, no, he says, uh, but uh, I'm not into, you know, defending anything on this planet. Cause, because this, this planet belongs to the kingdom of the world. It belongs to the kingdom of Satan. He, he's over this right now. And uh, he says, if this was my kingdom, if this was my kingdom, uh, of, you know, uh, and, the, and of the world that belongs to, to uh, my um, uh, faith and, and my teachings and my people, then he says it would be a, total, a totally different situation. Now, let me read it again, verse 36, and we're looking at the 18th chapter of the Gospel of John. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. I want everybody to be sure you get that. That's the words of Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight? If, if this kingdom was my kingdom, then he says, we would fight. <coughs> Has everybody got that? I hope that you really put this down. You, you really need to get this into your notes. My kingdom is not of this world. If this kingdom were, if my kingdom were, you know, were of this world, then my servants would be fighting. They would be armed. That uh, I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from hence. And that is so important as we start talking about being born again from above and the church of the firstborn not on this earth. We're understanding something about the kingdom. That if, if, if this whole plan had been of the nature... If this whole plan had been of the nature that these people that were trying to, to arrest Jesus and imprison him and kill him and it was of the nature that this was the kingdom of Jesus here on earth then he says I would have had I would have had soldiers I would have had an army and my army would have fought so that I would not be turned over. But he said that we, they didn't fight because this is not my kingdom. My kingdom is not, not of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom. And again, we have this parallel. You know, being born of the flesh, being born of the spirit. The world that is above, the world that is below. And now the kingdom that is below and the kingdom that is in heaven. Those parallels, they are absolutely 
so terrifically important for understanding, you know, what this revelation is saying to people and how important it is for them to understand the things that it is saying. And I hope that you're not being slow of heart tonight. I hope that you are really, really, really catching on. Okay. Now turn with me to the book of First uh, John. And that's getting over there, you know, pretty close to uh, to the book of uh, Revelations. And we're going to look at First uh, John uh, 3, 9. First John 3, 9. And here's what it says. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Now, Jesus is just referring to a state in which people um, who are born of God are in the first domain. And in the first domain, it is a state of of perfect love. And it is absolutely perfect. And, And there is nothing that ever happens in that state of perfect love that has anything to do with uh, consternation, that has anything to do with war, that has anything to do with, with uh, debating and argument and uh, unhappiness. It is just a perfect state of joy and peace and tranquility and, and of love. And, and uh, when you are in that state, your soul remains in you. It remains in you, and in that state, it is impossible, cannot ever happen, it's impossible to transgress or to commit sin. It's only when the angels leave the first domain and go out into the subduction zones, into the subduction zones of the physical universe, that they leave behind their spirit soul. They do not take their spirit soul with them. They leave that behind. But what they do carry with them is the signal of their spirit's uh, soul. And this signal is in them, and, and that is their connection to their spirit soul, is this signal. And uh, so that, that is very, very uh, important to, to understand. Uh, it's very important to understand uh, by being able to apply the right heaven for the right uh, case, uh, the right hell for the right case, and, and all these kind of things. Let's look at just another few scriptures here. First um, uh, John 4, 7 uh, says, <clears throat> Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So, everyone that is born born of God, loves God. And and that is very, very important to understand if you've been born of God, then you will love God. Uh, unless you are in a situation where the signal of your soul is being interfered and you're getting intermittent, period, uh, intermittent uh, situations interfering with your soul signal and allowing you then uh, to to commit uh, transgressions and uh, all kinds of, of problematical things. <clears throat> now, there's lots of scripture for this, but I can't cover everything tonight because, you know, time is moving and I have an awful lot to cover, you know. 
but uh, but um, uh, let's look at uh, at First um, John five four. First John five four says, um, um, "Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world." Now, someone you know not understanding that you cannot take a scripture out of context. <clears throat> And then try to rely everything. Someone says, well, the Bible says if you love the Lord, then you're born of God. Uh, yeah, that is, that is part of the circle. But it's not the whole circle. You know, that's part of the circle. But proof of really that you do love the Lord uh, has a lot of other things that go with it. Like in verse 4, for whosoever is born of God, whosoever really loves, loves the Lord, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So, if you don't overcome the world, then you don't love God as much as you think you do. Therefore, you are not restored to that uh, born again from above experience. You are only uh, an elect for that situation. You know, you haven't actually received it yet. And it's like the scripture says, He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. You have to endure to the end so that you can uh, fulfill all of all of these um, these these references, you know. Now, in verse six of the fifth chapter of First John, um, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. So, the Scripture says, if you don't admit and confess that Jesus came in the flesh, then you're an antichrist. So this idea of being born in the water, of the water, being born in the flesh by the well of man, is an essentiality. And <coughs> if we don't admit that that is the actual thing that did happen, then we're antichrist. Because we are saying something different then it's the picture of, of the whole complete story. Now, this thing about Church of the Firstborn is connected with so many interesting things. In the Bible, there are references to the first increase and the first fruits and, um, and, and the firstlings. When it talks about the firstlings, like in Exodus 13.12, Exodus 34.7, Leviticus 27.26, it's talking about the firstlings of the flock that are to be given to the priesthood and in, indirectly, therefore, to God. Um, <clears throat> we know this thing about first has some powerful, power, powerful references to it. Uh, there's the, the, the first rain, which is the former rain, and the latter rain. And that, that first rain is very important. There's the first love, Revelations 2.4, the first love, you can lose that first love. Um, in Micah 7.1 and Nahum 3.12, it talks about the first ripe. And you get the indication there that the fruit that is first ripe of the year has a taste and a quality and a fiber that exceeds any other production of the fruit, that first ripe. <clears throat> By the same token, in the the, the commandments, uh, the ten the ten words, uh, 
we are told the greatest commandment of all is the first commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then we remember in dealing with Jacob and and, and um, Esau and in their, and their uh, trials uh, to uh, <clears throat> compete for the for the blessing of the firstborn, that there is in fact, uh, at least symbolically, metaphorically, uh, a firstborn blessing, and uh, so those things are so important. And as far as the, the law, there's the first tables of the law uh, that later ended up to be broken. But they were very relevant and very important in their application for what they referred to. Now turn with me to the to First Corinthians, verse fifteen. <coughs> Sorry, First Corinthians, chapter fifteen. First Corinthians, chapter fifteen. Let me read from there. This is important. Very, very interesting stuff here. We, we will see that this Word of God, it, it is, uh, you know, um, beautiful in the sense that it has continuity. It doesn't conflict. It doesn't contradict. So, 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 23. But every man, in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are in Christ at his coming. Now we have Christ as the first fruits. This whole thing about the firstborn, the first increase, the first fruits, the firstlings, the first rain, the first love, the first ripe, the first commandment, the firstborn, and even the scripture, seek you first the kingdom of God in Matthew 6.33. And even we find in, uh, in Micah 4.8 uh, the first dominion or the first domain. Uh, these are just also absolutely essential to understanding the greatness of this whole subject uh, and, and the relevance, you know, uh, seek you first the kingdom of God, first. <coughs> okay, now we're in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, okay, here we go, and we're looking uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, at at uh, some important scriptures. We'll start with verse uh, 23. And I read that to you. I'll read it again. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. Okay? And then we're going to go to verse 35. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, thou that thou fool, that which thou soweth is not quickened except it die. And that which thou soweth, thou soweth not the body that shall be, but bear grain, it may chance, of wheat or of some other grain. <clears throat> but God giveth it a body as it has pleased him, and to ever seed his own body. All flesh is not the same. There's different kind of flesh of animals and so forth. And for, uh, verse 40, and there are celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, and the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial another. Uh, and there's a glory of the moon, a glory of the, of the sun. Uh, one star differs from another. Um, verse 42, so also, just like all these metaphors, is the resurrection of the dead. 
It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It's like comparing, you know, to be born of a mortal. But if you're born of a mortal, the Bible says that, you know, you are conceived and formed in, in sin. <clears throat> and, uh, uh, but, but being born of God, uh, as in the um, Church of the Firstborn, is an t- entirely different meaning and different uh, application. Is something totally important and something totally. It is, it is the the epiphany. It is the ultimate of all these uh, revelations. You know, the first increase and the first fruits and the firstlings of the first rain of the first love uh, of the first ripe. You know, the, of, of the first commandments and seeking first the kingdom of God, the first domain. It, it's the ultimate of, and collection of all of those things, and it, and it is so extremely very, very uh, relevant and very important, you know. So he goes on um, in verse um, 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. Once again, there's the parallel. The natural body, the spiritual body. Uh, the, you know, the um, <clears throat> being born again of the physical, uh, of the spiritual body and being born in the uh, physical body. Uh, the, the, it is, is so important to understand that. For, uh, the first man, verse 47, uh, is of the earth earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Uh, so, um, when we are going to get back into that connection to the heavenly sphere, we have to do it through the Lord of heaven, through Jesus Christ. Uh, as, verse 48, as is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. As is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. Uh, we abhor in the image of the earthly. We shall also bear the image of the, of the heavenly. This I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. And so there is an extremely vital teaching, all tied into the teaching of, of um, Jesus, in which Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he's explaining to him these two kinds of births, the one from above and the one below here on earth, and how that there is a major difference between those two and and yet you know they both have relevance they both have an importance uh, you know and they, they they both they both have their place so those things are you know extremely extremely relevant um, if we look at uh, let's see Deuteronomy 18 let's just take a fast break over there and take a peek at that scripture Deuteronomy 18. And let's see what we get here. And we're going to be looking at the fourth verse. And it says, The fruitful also of thy corn, and of wine, and of thy oil, and the first of the fleece of thy sheep, thou shalt give unto the priest. So, 
there's something very important connected to the church and to the priesthood that is tied into this whole revelation of that which is tied into the word first. You know, in the, like in the first fruits and, and all of those kinds of connections. Now, turn with me to, to Romans 16 and uh, let's just see what we get into here. Um, something very, very interesting. Uh, no question about it. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> okay, so um, first we'll, we'll go Romans 5, uh, 6. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? And then we're looking for uh, uh, chapter 16. Um, in which, in chapter 16, uh, I hope I can find without just awful lot of looking here. Um, this is, uh, the scripture I'm looking for is where, uh, what happens in the lump uh, is, um, is of the nature Oh, wait a minute. I, I, I didn't get into Romans. Romans 16. That's what I'm looking for. Romans 16. Okay. Uh, is, able, is able to uh, to to bring um, together the part that is in that lump is able to bring together all of the other parts of things that uh, do not seem to be consistent with with uh, evolving, uh, uh, so to speak, uh, in the same way. And yet, nevertheless, because they are connected, that they all belong to the same lump. And uh, this same lump has the power to raise them to an, an equilibrium of, of, of that uh, all being on the same uh, level with one another. <coughs> I don't think that's very, very clear and easy to understand. But what that is just basically saying is that once you have initiated and have triggered inside of you this energy uh, to, to be in, become empowered, uh, that it, it will not only affect you, but the entire body of Christ. Because one person affects another person. And uh, it's just a beautiful way of seeing it. Okay? All right, now we're going to uh, we're going to get into this uh, part about the uh, uh, the revelation here. Uh, <clears throat> look with me. Uh, turn with me to Hebrews twelve, and we're rolling along. We're doing good. Uh, we're getting ready to get into this uh, Hebrew thing, Hebrews twelve, and uh, we want to uh, want to be able to share this. Uh, it is such a beautiful story. Revelate, um, Hebrews 12. And uh, we will begin with um, uh, Moses is being talked about. And he uh, he's on the mount. And there's, there's um, in verse 19, the sound of a trumpet and the voice of, of words. Which voice, uh, when the people of Moses, the children of Israel, heard it, um, it says... Uh, it, it created the word that should not be spoken to them in, anymore. And, uh, and uh, it says they cannot endure some of the commandments. Uh, 
uh, which which said that if any of their beast so much as even touched the mountain where all this was going on, that uh, that beast would have to die. And uh, so the whole thing was an experience that seemed to be terrible to these uh, people who were so so human. You know, they just seemed to be so human. And then it says <clears throat> in verse 21, and so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly, uh, I exceedingly fear and quake. <clears throat> Verse 22. We're into uh, the 12th chapter of Hebrews. But you shall come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God and the heavy, heavenly Jerusalem. Now, at this experience on the mount... It tells us in the 66th chapter of Psalms that um, there was 20,000 of a particular kind of angels. And uh, these, actually, uh, these, these actually were called saints also. And we explained in our last teaching that that then uh, means that they were not Ophanim. Uh, well, they, they were not let me say that. We're not cherubim. They were not uh, seraphim. <coughs> but these particular angels uh, were what we call um, the offspring of Enoch. They were from uh, a planet in this galaxy. And uh, they uh, were involved in ministry to Earth. And uh, they are described uh, in a very beautiful and, and special way in the uh, 66th chapter. They're called the Shinons. And um, uh, I said 66. I meant to say 68th chapter of Psalms. So I correct that to the 68th. In verse 17, their, their chariots were, um, were, were uh, you know, were 20,000. And there was, there was all these other angels. That was not all the angels that were there because as we begin to read it <clears throat> in chapter 12 um, of Hebrews it says that there was this revelation in verse 22 that in Mount Zion they had come into the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels so in addition to, the, to these 20,000 there was another number that could not even be numbered, and 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 the assembly, the assembly, was no question, no doubt about it, involved in being the church of the firstborn, not on earth, and um, it, it was the heavenly Jerusalem, and in verse twenty-three, to the general assembly, and church of the firstborn, which or who are written in heaven, and to God the Judge of all. To the spirits of just men made perfectly, or made perfect. Now, we have this incredible revelation that this church of the firstborn is involved with this experience that happened at the mount. The mount that sometimes is called Zion, <coughs> but in the 68th chapter of, uh, of Psalms, uh, you know, it, 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 it has a reference, a reference as being a, 
amount. Uh, but it is a particular revelation. And uh, uh, we're going to, uh, you know, just uh, read here a little bit in the 17th verse. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. So uh, there is this revelation of this city, this holy Jerusalem, that is like a flying ship that comes down. And they've got a whole city there. And the noise of it is so great that the people are afraid. They, they don't even want to be, they don't, they don't even want to have, be able to hear the message directly. They want it to be uh, interpreted to them later uh, by Moses or Joshua. And, and so there's, there's this city, and it's involved with the, with, with, you know, uh, first off, with these 20,000 angels, uh, you know, uh, which, which are, are actually saints. They're, they're angels, but they're angels elect. So they're not in the same state that the cherubim are and the seraphim are because of being angels elect, meaning they haven't uh, uh, fulfilled what Jesus says that when you overcome, uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> that when you overcome, that you will be able to um, uh, uh, become equal with the angels. And that is extremely very, 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 very important in this uh, revelation about uh, the church of the firstborn and the meaning of it and what, how it, it all ties into this absolutely beautiful uh, revelation going from the Old Testament to the New Testament and all through this thing about th that the firstborn and and uh, you know the first fruit and and all those other connective names uh, that it is it is uh, talking about so so uh, let's let's just go on with this because uh, there's so much beauty that we're going to be touching on here in in this uh Revelation that uh, we want to cover in Hebrews. Now we're in the twelfth chapter of the book of uh, Revelations, and uh, <clears throat> we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, dig in just a little bit more and get into s some of this word. Uh, you know, uh, verse twenty-eight. Wherefore we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. Um, let us have grace wherewith we may serve God uh, acceptably. With reverence and godly fear, uh, there is in this whole story, given in the twelfth um, chapter of Hebrews, a story of a kingdom that you are receiving, and it incorporates in the verse twenty-three of chapter twelve uh, the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, which are written in in heaven, uh, you know, and uh, and additionally. Uh, as it, it says that the verse 22 uh, they are come unto Mount Zion unto the city of the living God this metaphor this, this ship uh, the heavenly Jerusalem and to the innumerable host of angels now is this just a bunch of words being fabricated that doesn't mean anything absolutely not it is an important revelation it is an important story and it needs to be totally, absolutely understood in its fullest relevance. And that's what we want to cover here. And we're well on track here to do this uh, as, as we just keep uh, bumping this revelation up. Now, let's look at some of the things uh, in a book of, of uh, Hebrews here 
that that it says, uh, because I think these are the things that uh, so so touch the truth in such a relevant way. Look at um, uh, Hebrews uh, 13. It says, "Let brotherly love continue, and be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby." Some have entertained strangers unaware. And it gives the example, uh, you know, in Genesis, when uh, these, uh, three, uh, these, these three men, uh, one was called the Lord and the other were, were like called men or angels, came and revealed unto uh, Abraham that he was going to have this uh, a son and even in his old age, and also that the wrath of God was ready to be poured out upon uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, uh, but it, he's saying, uh, you know, uh, not everybody would have been aware of the incredibility of who those men were. They would have just thought they were just regular men and not recognized them as, as uh, divine mission missions. Uh, or a divine mission uh, from another world. Uh, people have missed that. Uh, you know, people are busy looking up in the sky, but there may be uh, agents on earth that are making appearances, and people are, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> entertaining angels unaware, and not catching on to the story at all. They're missing the whole story of, of, of this uh, interlude and, the, and this connection. Uh, that there is now in verse uh, in chapter 13 of Hebrews in verse uh, um, 14 it says for we have no continuing city but we seek one to come <coughs> excuse me so if if you think you've got a continuing city uh, you may be into a sad state and all your uh, upset uh, may be because you just do not understand the story of, you know, what is really going on. Uh, but there is a story of, of, of what is really happening. And if you don't get that story, then you totally miss out, you know. Now, let's look at, at Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, and stay with me now. Stay with me. Verse, verse 9. By faith, and we're talking about Abraham, Abraham sojourned to the land of promise, as in a strange country, uh, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city, which foundation, whose builder and maker is God. And through faith also Sarah herself received strength to, to receive uh, or conceive seed. All right? Now, just keep this all in mind. Verse 12, he says, Therefore spring there even one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, as the sand which is by the seashore in, uh, innumerable. Uh, and uh, down at the end of verse 13, that they were strangers. They, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Now, verse 13. They all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, 
and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came, mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had the opportunity to have returned. Uh, what an incredible, incredible scripture. How powerful, how utterly powerful these things are uh, that it gives. It, it's, just, it's just awesome. Just absolutely awesome. Okay, now um, we're going to look at, um, uh, you know, uh, Revelations 12.4. Um, we don't even need to turn there, but it talks about, you know, the the uh, the woman, and uh, and and she's representing uh, metaphorically a body of of, uh, of angels of, of individuals, and uh, and she's from heaven, and the the tail of the dragon ends up casting all the angels and her down to earth, and uh, and so. She is. She has been born from above. Now she's getting ready to give birth to a child on earth, and uh, and the forces of darkness is like a flood, uh, trying to uh, destroy her and destroy the child. Uh, but this is all connected to this church of the firstborn, which is trying to be eradicated by the forces of the powers of, of darkness. Then it goes on. Uh, you know, and it says um, uh, in Colossians 1.15, it speaks about Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And in Romans 8.29, let's look at that. Turn to Romans 8. We're almost through the scriptures here. Just three or four more. Romans, um, okay, Romans, and we're looking, we're looking at verse, uh, chapter 8. Let's just uh, let me just read a couple things there. Very, 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 very important. Chapter eight, okay, verse twenty-nine. For whom he did foreknow, he did did pro, uh, predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he justified. Whom he justified, them he also. Uh, glorified. Uh, it's all tying back into the same picture. It's all that this is something that isn't just accidentally coming up. It's been predestined from the beginning of time, uh, and it's all about uh, being the firstborn among many brethren. And uh, it's it, uh, it is 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 the same story over and over throughout the entire Bible. The Bible is full of the references to it, and about this. Uh, this the the continuing city of which there is no continuing city here on earth, you know, and but there is a continuing city, but it's not on earth. <coughs> now, um, uh, these 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 things are just incredible. Psalms eighty nine twenty seven is talking about David, and it says that God is going to make him become uh, a firstborn. Uh, it's interesting how the Bible talks about people that have sin and transgressed, how he's going to make them to become virgins again. Uh, how that in Matthew 19.30, it says, you know, that the, the last are going to become first, and the first are going to become last. And uh, it is just 
absolutely uh, a deep revelation that is being uh, given by God uh, to the church. Now, the final scripture, uh, and then we're going to just put this into a final conclusion, but is in John 14. I've read this to you many a time, but I, <clears throat> I have to read it to you again because it is the Finnish uh, uh, interlude of where we're at right now. So, John chapter 14, 1 through 4. 14, 1 through 4. So, turn to your books to John chapter 14, 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Then in verse 5, Thomas speaks up and says, says, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. And how can we know the way? Well, you know, we have to look at this just like when Jesus said that Elijah has already come, and, and that was John the Baptist. And I've heard people say, yeah, but they asked John, are you Elijah? And Elijah said, no, I'm not. And, and so they say, so it can't be. Well, I'm sorry, but it can be. Because, uh, you know, it just all that it was showing is that John the Baptist had not come into the full memory of who he really was. And he was the voice crying in the wilderness, but he didn't have the full memory uh, restoration of who he really was. And uh, they did not want him to ever come into that full ministry and memory, and that's why they cut his head off. Uh, by the same token, Jesus is giving another example of that of that type of thing, in which he he is showing that um, that people do not always, uh, uh, you know, remember uh, what what it is like in this 14th chapter. He talked to Thomas. Uh, and Thomas says, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. You say that whether you go, we know, and the way you know. But he says, no, we, we don't know where you're going, and we don't know the way. Well, uh, Jesus knew that Thomas did know it subconsciously, but that it had not been uh, restored to his memory. It had not been flashed back to his memory. But Jesus knew that it was there, a planet in the body, and that someday that he would know that. But the story is, uh, Luke, Jesus in the 24th chapter, is carried up to heaven. <clears throat> He's going to the Father's house. And the 14th chapter, he says, I'm going away. I'm going to the Father's house. So now we begin to see that this firstborn church is not located on earth. If his kingdom was here on earth, he would have fought to keep uh, the Roman soldiers and and the Jews from being able to capture him. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but that is not the case. Uh, they, they uh, 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 you know, are not fighting for the kingdom here on earth. There will be a day when uh, Satan's uh, forces will be uh, destroyed. But right now, there is this other kingdom still in the flesh and blood kingdom. Still in the flesh and blood kingdom. Uh, the tree of life, remember this, in the book of Genesis, the tree of good and evil knowledge, they grew from out of the ground. So they, they, that tree of life that was generated from a physical substance 
uh, was made in order to give a physical uh, uh, life that, that was forever. That you could just live in your physical body by a continuous regeneration uh, that would take place in your cells. And, and the tree of life with its hormones and its capabilities would now allow this uh, to happen. Uh, and, and, and so there's, there's such a beauty there. Uh, when Jesus was lifted up and taken up into the heavens, he was taken up in a physical body. He had just appeared uh, to the group in, in the 24th chapter of Luke, and, uh, and they felt his body. He ate uh, fish. You know, he had a physical body, and he was taken up in this physical body uh, to this place in heaven uh, that was called, you know, the city of God. It was the place of the firstborn. So the place of the firstborn, the church of the firstborn, not on earth, is, is you know, uh, what we call the Father's house. What we also describe as where the, the offspring of Enoch uh, are. We also call it the Arturians, our, our, our Arturians. Or Artura, and so um, that all keeps coming back, and this is who the general assembly of the firstborn are, and these people are in a high place of being uh, elect angels. They haven't overcome uh, totally yet at all, but they are elect angels, and they are at a state where they are the church or the body of people that are those individuals. Um, who deep within themselves all know from whence they came and where they are going, and they are all part of this church of the firstborn in heaven. And, and, and uh, they have a destiny. Their name is written down because, as in it says in Romans 12, uh, they, they, they were predestined uh, for this whole thing. It's a predestiny. So that is the story of, of the church of the firstborn, and you must be born again from above. But in order to get there, uh, we're still in a physical universe, and you're still going to need a physical body. And the whole idea is that if you can come into this revelation uh, of God, you'll be able to, to have um, your physical body uh, regenerated to perfect health and youth, and you'll be able to just live on and on and on and on and on uh, in the universe, uh, enough to travel among the stars, enough to do all kinds of incredible things until the universe is finished and it's time to go to the first domain, which is the heaven of heavens. And, and uh, people have not understood that. They've gotten confused between the spirit world and, and, and uh, you know, the, the uh, people who are into this element of being firstborn people. And, and they still have physical bodies, but their physical body is congruent to the Word. And so the, when the Word enables their bodies to become flesh... Uh, they are able to, to uh, live it in a tree of life state because they are living it by this uh, word of the, of the tree of life, uh, which, although it's still physical, just like the tree of life was physical and it grew out of a physical ground, uh, it is uh, uh, full of the soundtron and it is, it is anointed by the Holy Spirit. And this enables uh, this incredible difference. And, and uh, you know, the earth is for the Tartaru, it's for the Hades, it's for the Kahina, it's uh, 
for, you know, the judgment. There will always be wars and rumors of wars here. There will always be people's hearts failing them for fear here. Uh, people say, well, no, that's not true. In the millennium, it's going to be nothing but peace. You don't even know your Bible, or you would not even be saying anything like that. There is no place that you can show such a thing as you, as, as you would propose. Because the Bible says uh, over in Isaiah and other scriptures that those nations uh, are people that do not decide to come and to worship at Jerusalem during the millennium, uh, that if they refuse to come, that then they're going to uh, be suffering uh, during this same millennium time. Uh, they're going to be suffering plague and, and uh, withholding of rain and, and all kinds of things are going to be happening to them. So there's not going to be a whole world that is totally just in the bliss uh, of peace. Uh, it, it, even during the millennium, uh, the Bible is very clear that that is not the case. There will still be people that will refuse to go up into worship, and then they will be fighting uh, as a result uh, plagues and famine and all kinds of problems because both of those uh, conditions are going to exist, exist parallel uh, on earth. But there is a place that God has for us, and God has his place you know, it's, it's the mother of us all. It's the holy Jerusalem. It's the spirit uh, world. Uh, but yet, it, it is expressed through the word uh, in, in flesh. And uh, Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you know, you will in no wise be able to come into the kingdom, to see the kingdom. And when you come into this kingdom uh, in that recourse, uh, you are able to live in the flesh that is the flesh the likeness of Christ and body of Christ and you're able to live on and on and on. Jesus ascended. He was carried up to heaven. He was going to continue living on and on and on in a physical body. That's how he left. And he said, the same way you saw me leave, which is a physical body, I'm going to return in a physical body. I'm going to still be living. Uh, generations uh, generations and generations later, I'm going to still be living. I'm going to be still uh, uh, being the person that I am. And so that is the general assembly. Uh, that is the firstborn church that we are all uh, teaching about becoming a part of. And Jesus says, I'm going away. Chapter 14, 1 through 4. I'm going away to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. And I'm going to bring you to where I'm at. And he says, my angels, they're going to come just like it was in the days of Noah. And they're going to, they're going to assemble the people that are part of this election and, and bring them to the Father's house. And you'll become a part of the general assembly of the church of the firstborn. And those are all the ones that are lining themselves up for that, for that enduring unto the end when they will become born again, born again from above, not of flesh and blood, which cannot inherit the kingdom of the heaven of heavens, the first domain. God so bless you. God so love you and keep you. Cause His face to shine upon you. We want to take just a few minutes to do Gentile here. I want to deal with your hormones you know, in a human body, there's, there's up to 100,000 receptors per target cell. It's just absolutely amazing. 
how involved the body is in the transport and the operating of, um, of hormones. Another name for hormone is a neurotransmitter. And they express themselves physiologically uh, in effects to, uh, as hormones uh, in expressed ways to the receptors. And they can give messages to the body uh, to heal the body for almost anything and every problem that the body could ever have. And loosening these, these, um, these hormones is so very important. There are a particular 50 hormones that are involved in this uh, target cell uh, you know, a, a thing that it, where it deals with the body in a special way of uh, keeping the body operative and, and healthful. So I want right now to, to uh, do Gentile and direct <coughs> the, uh, the hormones uh, to move upon the receptors uh, and the thyroid gland uh, and, and the various parts of the body to bring your body into a healing state. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary hypothalamus to the thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetics, to the all of the, the cells uh, and the hormones of the cells <coughs> that are the neural transmission, uh, transmitters <clears throat> to send the, this message to all of the hormones uh, to begin to be activated uh, that are in need of that so that they begin to send the messages throughout the body through all of these hundreds of thousands of cells to bring the body into peace with itself and into a state of healing with itself from the top of the body to the bottom of the body praise be the name of God God bless you we love you right now there is an incredible blog about crop, cir crop circles that is on <coughs> the uh, manifestor.com uh, incredible uh, blog on crop circles that you need to go and look at and please make comments on. God bless you. Until then, bye now.